generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy too. My name is Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Asian. And my name is Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm black. And I'm Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm white. So we'd like to start off our episode by talking about stuff that we wish we had mentioned or want to correct from previous episodes. And I guess the sad thing is that the thing I want to mention or correct from the previous episode is the entire episode because we sat down and recorded a great heartfelt episode about, about the Bible and Jesus and God's love for justice. And then, and then our recording platform decided to decided, uh, I guess the devil, maybe it was (laughs) the devil. It was the devil decided that that episode was not to see the light of day. So, um, We'll come back to that subject at some that that some point, but I do want to mourn a little bit for for our lost episode. I honestly almost quit this <laughs> podcast when, when oh, you no. sent that text message. Oh man, that I w- that like my recording was like um, mm-hmm. unsalvageable. I was like, <laughs> I'm done with the color. My instinct immediately was, I'm done with this <laughs> podcast. Like, I never want to record again. <laughs> Beth, I just pictured, I just pictured like us going with with you quitting by releasing that episode with just our voices, <laughs> right? Because that was the issue with the with the podcast. It had your voice was Beth's voice was clipping in and out. I was hoping at least that like the parts that the really heartfelt parts that we where her voice where Beth was talking were kept, but no, they were gone. Uh, but you know what? I have faith in us. I think we're, we'll revisit right. that subject, and I think it's <clears> going to be good. The devil's uh, a liar. <laughs> yes, the devil is a liar, um, <laughs> and all our feelings are still there. So we can we'll capture them again. It'll be great, definitely. Um, but no, it won't. Okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> It'll be good. All right. Um. So I the so really what our previous episode from this episode is the cousins episode, and um. We, I guess, our, we had, well, our big correction was that we never actually mentioned the 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 biggest cousin relationship the in the New Testament, maybe the Bible. Cousin of all. Gosh. All right. Uh, uh, John the Baptist, who, um, at least in Luke's gospel, is the cousin of Jesus. Um. So why is that? I mean, why did you guys think that was significant? Why it's significant enough that we should feel bad about having not mentioned it? I mean, like, let me count the ways. You know, like John the Baptist is such a like pathmaker for Jesus that it feels almost ridiculous for us not to mention John the Baptist. And also, like, I don't know, John the Baptist's relationship with Jesus. It almost kind of models how we can relate to our family and faith. Like mm-hmm. they have like a real camaraderie. I feel like. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, what I like about that relationship is that you can see both the the closeness of cousins and also there's some of the conflict of cousins. Chris, mm-hmm. were you gonna yeah. say something? Um, I was just thinking one of our one of our mutual friends was talking about. Um, calling the the voter fraud line with like like collaborating with all of his cousins to like spam the the voter the voter fraud hotline it made, it just made me think about like the way that like cousins show up for each other and the way that like John showed up for for Jesus yeah 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 no for sure i can totally relate to that um i mean even going back to the i we have i mean we have to mention this like when uh mary is encountering her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth talks about yeah. how you know I the, how the the baby leapt in my womb, and that's how I knew that Jesus that you were bearing a special child, the, the Messiah. Like that kind of the closeness of the of that relationship, even in the womb, uh, is is significant. Um, but also like the part later on in the gospel, at later on in, in, in many of the gospels, they mention how when John is in jail, he actually sends his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one we're supposed to be waiting for or is there somebody mm-hmm. else? And, you know, it's there's a lot of questions about like, did, was John like wavering at the end? Was 
Was he maybe did he disapprove of Jesus's approach? Maybe was he not sure of what was going on? Um, and you know, even in that way, like sometimes, sometimes that's how your cousins be. You know? mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I guess pretty big omission there. So I'm glad we're able to yeah. mention it now. We're sorry, um, John. Uh, John's yeah. like in heaven, well, I like why I oughta. <laughs> yeah. yeah, John the Baptist. Apologies for not mentioning you on our podcast. Uh, so we're here at the end of the year, right before Christmas time, um, and we figured it would be fun to take a look back on the year and also all the episodes we've done. You know what I find hilarious looking at our SoundCloud was that like by episode um six we were like oh that's that's enough let's look back on past episodes <laughs> like we were five episodes in and we were like oh it's time for a retrospective a re- it's your time <laughs> oh man i have to ask andrew is this is this episode gonna have clips no we're not no, it's too much i'm gonna I'm, I'm i'm vetoing that right now it's too much editing <laughs> But, I mean, since we did 12 episodes last year, and, and we've done, like, a ton, we've, like, tw- done 21 more than that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, since, I mean, in this year, in, in 2020. Yeah. Um, which just... We had a lot of know, hits. Yeah. And a lot of great conversations and a lot of great episodes yes. in this past year. Um, so... I thought we thought it would be fun to both talk about this past year, go into a kind of year in review, and also maybe mention some of our favorite episodes from the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess when the year started, it felt like a lot of really important things were happening. I mean, objectively, a lot of really important things were happening, right? Like the president got impeached in January. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot um, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Australia was on fire. I forgot um, about that, too. And um, I remember uh, Kobe Bryant died, and we had that whole episode about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite episode was actually the episode we did with your friend Josh Kozad, Beth. Was that this year? That was, yeah, that was, that was the last episode we recorded in the studio. Exactly. That was yep. right before everything locked yep. down. And in that episode, Beth, you were like, for those of us who are listening from the future, hopefully <laughs> this is not a thing anymore. Like, hopefully no one remembers. But right now there's a pandemic happening. And like, I was thinking in my head, like, oh, my gosh, so yeah. optimistic. I was taking it so lightly. I remember by the time that episode premiered, which is maybe a week later, I was embarrassed by like my flippancy in uh-huh. referring to it. I was yeah. like, no, this is a shit show. I mean, even yeah. even d- during that time, we were like not sure whether we should be joking about it or not because it was mm-hmm. like really getting serious. I do remember like it was it was kind of when we were in San Jose, when we had recorded our, um, our All the Feels episode where we were just kind of basking in the the amazing feelings of being around other participatory defense folks in San Jose. Um, and even just then, how amazing California is in yeah. general. Oh, that was yeah. a great really trip. incredible state. Uh, yeah. That, and that was a great trip and it was really inspiring. Um, and yeah, like I remember like on the way, even in the airport and on the way back, there was kind of whispers of this coronavirus pandemic and it's like mm-hmm. are we is it safe for us to be at the airport i think that's the last time I, I mean it is definitely the last time i was on a plane or at the airport my mom was very anxious about me flying mm-hmm. to california at that time and i remember mm-hmm. being like it's not in america yet like mm-hmm. it's in china like we don't have yeah. to worry about it i don't yeah. think it was in italy yet was it i it might have been in Italy. It definitely wasn't officially in the United States. Yeah. Right at that point. Th- those episodes and those kind of things happening in the background in- internationally with COVID happening, we just had no idea what was we coming. Had no idea what this year was going to look like. No. Yeah. No idea. One, right. of, one of my favorite episodes from that time period is definitely the two that you mentioned. 
um, mm -hmm. where we, I really did enjoy, actually, I really enjoyed going to that restaurant. What restaurant did we go to? Arby's. <laughs> no, uh, not Arby's. <laughs> we did do the Arby's. We did do Arby's. I forgot about that. Uh, that was no. very delicious. <laughs> but, the, but the white people uh, Asian fusion restaurant. Chew. Chew noodle bar. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, sadly, one of our last in dining experiences was at that place right um yeah and that, and that takes us to right to when we started recording remotely which is what we're still doing now and mm -hmm. like it took us a little while it has taken us a while to adjust to this different dynamic of being remote and figuring out how to try to recapture the the vibe of how the three of us get along I mean, it's, yeah. I, it is something that everybody everywhere has had to learn, like mm -hmm. how to interact on video, webcam, microphone sort of and thing. And for a while, we weren't on camera and we kept talking over each other when we were mm -hmm. using that other platform. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So obviously a ton of stuff happened during the pandemic lockdown phase. And we'll we'll talk about some of that. But I don't know. Does anything stand out to you guys about like just the fact of locking down? itself just this long period we've been in of hunkering down in our homes or just the attitude of being it being unsafe to go outside and stuff one thing that stands out to me is how um arrogant of an american i am and i wrote about this in a blog post i think over the summer um but i remember hearing about a virus that was really causing harm to people in China last Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I remember it because coronavirus wasn't named at first. I think it didn't get named until sometime in March um, or maybe February. Um, but I remember thinking, man, that really sucks that that's happening in China. Mm -hmm. I never for a second considered that it would be in America. Right. Like you always hear about like pandemics and viruses like Ebola happening or um, what was that thing in the early two SARS? Yep, you always hear flu. about that bird flu. You always hear about those things happening in other countries and like decimating other countries. So the fact that like nine months later, there are 300 over 300,000 Americans that are dead right now. And in December of last year, all I could think about was, oh, poor Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we had we had some visitors. I don't know in like late February, I think. Um, again, like so, like so, some of like the participatory defense leaders like came and and like did a did a talk for some of the newer people here in Philly. And I I was joking with one of them, like she. She was already doing like the elbow bumps and like wouldn't let anybody hug her, and I I gave her shit about it, mm. um, not knowing that like she's a cancer survivor and she takes this stuff seriously. Yeah, you know, yeah, I I, I feel that same sense of like remorse about oh, being so arrogant at the beginning. For sure, what has that that totally? Um, I can totally connect to that because one of the things that I didn't realize was that for a lot of uh, a lot of the people that I work with, it, uh, people who are in the disabled community, in a lot of ways, like when everyone started locked down, they were like, welcome to my world. Mm. You know, I'm always locked down. I always get my groceries delivered. Like I'm immunocompromised or I have fatigue or if it's a bad day for me, like I can't get out of bed or like, mm. um, mm -hmm. so really like, you know, the, the fact that like they, so many of the tools that they have cultivated in terms of getting in t in terms of like being used to being alone or being used to isolation or dealing with anxiety um those were tools that like i had to learn from them because they had been practicing these skills for so long to reflect back on our naivete before mm -hmm. everything shut down is um yeah it's just alarming <laughs> yeah and not everyone shares that sense of reflection, remorse. Um, there's not a shared belief system about the um, existence, impact, or um, way to properly mitigate the virus. That has mm -hmm. been bewildering. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it is kind of amazing how how just that f- the fact of that became politicized. Like believing that there is a disease itself became mm-hmm. something that would divide us among political lines. It just seems crazy. And yeah. there was a very distinct moment in mm-hmm. which that happened. That didn't happen until about May. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's when Trump started getting anxious about the election being just six months away. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, the administration had been trying to down, had been downplaying the virus. And yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, before, even before that, when, when he was saying it'd be over by Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then, uh, I mean, I have to say this, like, the, honestly, holidays have been kind of hard for me. And the first one that was hard for me was Easter because normally that was the hardest. Yeah, because normally like wake up at five or five thirty, drive to Lemon Hill, you see everybody there, mm-hmm. and the sun yeah. rises, and like the kids are doing their thing, and people are, like you know playing drums or whatever, and and uh, and and we connect with the resurrection of Jesus after this long season of Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Easter twenty twenty was like a sunrise youtube video <laughs> and then, yes and then it was the easter service and i could i could not uh that was the that was the roughest for me i mm-hmm. i couldn't i just i just laid down in bed um so the, the holidays have been tough for me especially easter that that year um, i think uh, easter has been the toughest for me mm-hmm. i remember and this was before i figured out a safe way to go see my family um, so it had been like a month since I had seen my family by by the, the time Easter came. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally was rolling back in my back and forth in my bed, wailing with mm-hmm. tears. Yeah. Like it was like unbelievable to me that we were not released from the pain of mm-hmm. um, what's the season? What's that season? The Lent the, season? Oh, Lent. Yeah, Lent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for a lot of people, the people, a lot of people have described this whole process as like one long kind of Lenten experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying this to Wes like a few weeks ago. Like the practice, these church practices that every one of these holy seasons, Lent or Advent, are are considered mournful seasons. Um, I have never connected with that idea until this year when I mm-hmm. realized, like, oh, that's what it's for. Mm-hmm. When when there's nothing you can do except wait. Yeah. When this is when faith actually matters, when hope actually matters. Um, I mean, and and that takes us probably to like right in, in I, I say the middle of the pandemic, but honestly, George Floyd and the uprisings happened, started in May. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had been locked down for maybe eight weeks or so at that point. Yeah. Um, when, well, that was like the end of May, early mm-hmm. June. So I would mm-hmm. say we were locked down for like three months by that point, right? Yeah. No, that sounds right to me. Yeah. It is funny. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, I mean, like, let's just go ahead and like the vague passage of time. Let's just call that one of the side effects of this thing that we've been going through for months It is now. really hard yeah, to keep track true. of time. I that's I kind of appreciate what we're doing right now because it's helping me <laughs> remember <laughs> what happened yeah, like, in my life. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, May, we had been locked down for three months. Our most popular episode um, over it, reform, uh, re- Revolution, Reform, and Rioting, when we were reflecting on um, the death of George Floyd and um, what was going on in Detroit at the time. Detroit, right? Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. What was going on in Milwaukee at the time? (laughs) You sound like Trump talking about Milwaukee. (laughs) 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 What what did he call Minnesota? I think he combined Milwaukee and Minnesota. (laughs) It was wild. The Midwest is just a blob to me. It is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Beth, in that episode, prophetically says, I wish there was rioting in every city. (laughs) There was! Whoa. The day after, there was rioting in every city. You just captured the zeitgeist and bottled it right up, like right <laughs> in that prophetic spirit, Bethany Stewart. And it's funny because I think that Sunday you were like, um, here's the episode, here's the draft of the episode. I listened to it, and Bethany says, um, 
every city should be on fire. And I said, mm. no, I didn't say that, Andrew. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't even believe you that I said trust that. Trust your own abilities. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that episode came out and it was amazing because normally we're used to kind of, I feel like normally we're used to kind of screaming in the corner, mm-hmm. you know, when, when things happen, uh, when another you know, when another example of pr- police brutality happens, it, yeah. it seems to happen in our in our sphere, but it never penetrates outside of it unless we make people pay attention. But this time, yeah. for whatever weird reason, everybody was paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the first time it, when we first started this podcast last June. It kind of felt like we made this podcast for our friends. We were mm-hmm. getting like ninety views. An, an episode like in a month right it would take mm-hmm. like a month for an episode to get 100 listens mm-hmm. um and i remember it was less than like 24 hours between when the when the episode got released and we hit 100 mm-hmm. and then maybe like an hour or two went by and like we were at 200 and i kept texting you guys like yo yeah. this episode is getting so many listens and it was the first time that i considered that anybody wanted to hear the three of us talk about anything outside of our (laughs) friends and outside of circle of hope i had never considered that anybody else would want to listen to us yeah i'm right there with you yeah what what kept going through my head was like i wish we had been more cogent in that episode (laughs) like because we were mostly just emotional we were yeah and maybe uh, that's what people liked. Yeah. I remember I was like sleepy and delirious. Mm-hmm. We were recording that at like 10 o'clock at night or something. Yeah. What I think what I appreciate most about that episode, though, is that rawness that we brought to it. Yeah. Like I was fucking pissed. And I know I was fucking pissed because... I didn't even remember some of the stuff that I said, you know what I mean? Um, So I kind of appreciate that rawness because I think people need to hear the rawness of the marginalized experience sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of white people like to theorize it and they like to consume it almost like porn sometimes at a training, Mm -hmm. but to really get it. But usually that's even that is kind of like tamped down. Like when I talk to white people, Mm I typically tamp myself down because I, I know that you can't really get it. Or if I give it to you the way that I want to, you'll probably shut down. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, I was fucking hot. Mm-hmm. And I yep. was just giving that like raw emotion. Um, and I think we all kind of were. So I, I really appreciate the rawness of that episode. And yeah. apparently listeners did too. Mm-hmm. So thank yeah. you. I mean, let's talk about the legacy of that moment, both uh i mean for us and also in general do you how do you feel about that like i still don't get why that was different for Mm. white people because we have been talking about police violence for years you know what i mean like sandy Mm. bland got killed the day before my 25th birthday i'm 30 now you know what i mean like i still i wonder part of me wonders if it really took a pandemic and the fact that people were forced to slow down and forced to really be vulnerable with their own humanity for them yeah. to be able to see the humanity of black people. Mm-hmm. But part of that scares me. Yeah, Because you can't have a pandemic every hundred years before laws start changing. Sure. Yeah. I, it, I mean, the, the way that it that um the way that it captured national attention and then to some extent faded away i don't want to say it it completely faded away because i think the way that people approach these sorts of things is different now than it used to be Mm -hmm. but um which just reminds me like of how attention spans work a lot of the time Mm -hmm. oh yeah you know like so much of our work is devoted to trying to get people's attention and sometimes you get it and you have to take advantage of that opportunity when you then, can yeah when you can as an opportunity and then you know you you wait for the next chance and you try you try to be prepared for it in a weird kind of way mm-hmm. um i also think it's impossible to keep people that riled up mm. people were hot yeah i mean like 
the donations we got over the Philadelphia Community Bell Fund got like a million dollars worth of donations that week. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's not you. something that's going to keep happening. Yeah. So to an extent, yeah, it is a little, yeah, it is a little disappointing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that energy and that fire didn't remain. But every fire kind of burns out. Like that's, that's just. True. That's just yeah. the, the fact yeah. of, of things. And the legal collective got a ton of money, too. And we were like, we don't need this, actually, for to do what we do. <laughs> like, give it to the bail fund. Give it mm-hmm. to somebody else. But, yeah. yeah, you're totally right. And it, you know, what, what it reminds me of is um, Jesus' parable about, this, about the sower, basically. Um, and I feel this way a lot of times when these ha- things happen or sometimes you get, like, a really enthousi- enthusiastic volunteer or somebody who wants to join. And you can tell that, like, Bro, you got to calm down mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. this is not this, this energy is not right. sustainable. If you're because this is a you're, this thing is is going to outlast you, like you're yes. And and if you don't like manage yourself, you're going to burn out. And Jesus tells this parable about like the sower throws some seeds, and some of the seeds land on ground that's fertile, but it's shallow, so it shoots up real fast. But then the sun comes out, and then it just withers in the sun because it doesn't mm-hmm. have those deep roots. I also think that like it has had really lasting effects because like in the election debates this year, they were talking about defunding the police. Like the conversation of defunding the police mm-hmm. is a real thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like the starting point for most white people has completely shifted. Like white people and even like my friends and my friends who are black pissed me the fuck off like i've been talking to them about this shit since trayvon martin Mm -hmm. and every time i would get a not all cops are bad or bethany you just get fired up you've always been like this i would get blown off these bitches were texting me talking about oh my god what you've been saying is right yeah bitch i know that i'm fucking right i've been telling you for 10 fucking years like that was so irritating for me but i feel like with white people the starting point is oh the cops do cause a lot of harm but Mm -hmm. whereas before it was but cops keep us safe now Mm -hmm. it's now the starting point is yeah there are a lot of bad cops and mm-hmm. and that wasn't the starting point um nine months ago yeah yeah in a lot of ways we're still trying to change the conversation because the conversation is still like how do we get rid of all the bad apples mm-hmm. when when we're trying we're still trying to change the conversation see how do you how do you get rid of a bad system right right um but how that get brings rid of us a system to- that makes bad apples right uh, and that brings us probably brings us to i mean this lasting the, the biggest lasting effect of this whole pandemic experience combines with social justice, which is that, especially for me, like my sense of what is possible has completely shifted in the past year. Ideas like defunding the police or ideas like giving, just giving people money. Mm-hmm. The government literally did that and is currently debating how to do it again right just straight up giving people money and the way that people have challenged like oh like the 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 billions of dollars we spend on our military or the billions of dollars we spend militarizing the police Mm -hmm. is actually a bad use of money when people really need money Mm -hmm. um yeah and whereas a year ago i was like ah that like aspirational you know like Mm-hmm. when we, we did yell. our reparations yeah. episode right i think i literally said like in that episode like i expressed my doubt that these things could happen mm-hmm. but i mean you know my my whole view on what's possible has changed in the past past few months i think that's yeah. a really good point yeah yeah did you um that i have I, I have a question and it's like what's possible has changed mm-hmm. for you not what um not what is necessary no we've known what was necessary don't you think Mm. i think so i just like i wanted i wanted to just make that distinction that is an interesting distinction um if anything i feel like i i have more urgency now about what's necessary Mm -hmm. than i did before because I, I because the, because I have I think I have a better sense of what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, I still can't get over the fact that, like, well, yeah. I, I, I mean, what, how do you feel about that, Chris? Is, has what feels necessary changed for you? I think, I think so. I mean, I was just really? like, I was just doing like a self-assessment. No, I don't. I don't think what is is necessary or what I think is necessary has changed. But like, I think I'm sharing, yeah, the possibility and the way, I, like, the way I feel that in my body is this restlessness that like i think most of the like the fatigue i feel these days is about that urgency Mm -hmm. um about this like this this is it's now more necessary and, Mm -hmm. and urgent than ever that the prevailing systems fall and reform um because it's just it's just becoming more and more intolerable as as we sit back, as we're locked down, and we're still watching people die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Yeah. Um, and I guess that kind of brings us up to the present. I mean, the past few months have been characterized by the election and the way that ele- the election has highlighted a lot of what we're talking about here, which mm-hmm. is that, you know, a bunch of things that we used to only talk about in activist circles like abolishing the police are now being talked about in the democratic debate Um, even though it's not you know the platform of the party or whatever it is something that like joe biden had to confront or kamala harris had to confront you know Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so here we are at the end of a really weird year a really terrible year in a lot of ways really terrible yes um, and I guess we should do what we did at the end of 2019, which is uh, talk about what our expectations are for 2021. Well, can we talk a little bit more about the election? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. I remember say. over the summer, this this feels like another reflection on my naivete. I remember, was it in the summer when Trump said, well, maybe we should push the election back if people are going to have to send in mail-in ballots. I remember looking at my TV because I watch the news every time it's on. And I said, oh, is he trying to plant the seeds of distrust in the election process? Oh, my God. I think he's going to try and make people feel like this election is fake. And that has been what he's been doing for the last Six weeks? Mm-hmm. I mean, he started doing it before that. Like, it started yeah. with me questioning whether or not he was going to do it. And mm-hmm. then it became a- affirmative. And then he didn't win the election. And he has been trying every fucking thing. that it- It's like, mm-hmm. I I knew America was an eight shit country. But <laughs> it almost feels like America's even more ancient ain't shit than like I could imagine like when you date a guy and you know he ain't shit and y'all break up and then like you see him on the news because he robbed a bank or something and you're like wow I knew you sucked but I didn't know you sucked towards everybody like this you know like that's how I kind of feel about America right now I'm like wow this is like Mm -hmm. our country's really a joke yeah it does feel a lot like a banana republic uh Chris what are you gonna say yeah no I mean like when you when you see like international news about other countries that are like struggling and and like have these like internal divisions and these mm-hmm. coups it hits differently when you see that on the horizon in the oh, country yeah. you live in for yes. sure I, I might we might have even said this on the podcast a while ago but I, I don't even know where I, I don't remember where I got this but like a lot of science fiction is just what if it happened to white people yep <laughs> Like, alien invasions are just like, what if colonialism happened to white people? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, right. this whole year has felt like science fiction because all this stuff that we were like, oh, it doesn't happen to white people, like pandemics or uh, political unrest, like, it, it, it has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does happen because, you know, America, uh, you ain't shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's yeah, it. So it's it's been it's been uh, like this is your year has really highlighted the the deficiencies and weakness in our in, in weaknesses in our different in our systems in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, How are you feeling about being on the other side of the election and the fact that Joe Biden won? I'm still kind of like 
All right. At least just, this like, Trump era is over. But I like, guess, like, can you actually say that? It's just like, what is he going to do next? Yeah. I guess the Trump era isn't I don't even know. Here's, here's what I think. And this kind of leads into thinking about the next year. If there's one thing I'm realizing, it's that things don't really, um, things don't end. Things don't end. <laughs> things have, things reverberate and they have consequences. You know, mm, there's, mm-hmm. there's no like, th- just like there's no like pandemic victory day where it's like, because I think early on we were all like, one day we'll just be able to go outside and hug each other. But that's ridiculous. Ugh. That's not like, that would be great. Like if there was just like one day we're locked down, the next day we're out hugging each other. But it's going to, it's like, if there is a recovery, it will happen gradually in phases mm-hmm. until one day we're going to be like, oh, it's like things are pretty normal now. Took like, but that's the thing. Like, it's not as if Trump is going to be out of office and then, you know, the dark tower falls and or all the orcs fall into a pit. Um, right. He, the The legacy of Trump is going to continue. And all of the damage that he is doing now, even as ridiculous as it's as it seems, in terms of questioning our electoral system, and all these games that they're trying to play to reverse the democratic results of the election, um, those have consequences. Like the norms that he erodes, they just don't they don't get built up back up over time. They stay damaged. Mm, that's such a good point. Yeah, yeah, they stay damaged. And if and who knows who's going to attack them next and how successful they'll be. Our country will never come back from this. We're, I think I don't think America will exist in the next fifty years. Bold words, Beth, but yeah, not I mean, out of line with what you've been saying. No. In, in that you said that uh, you said that you thought that the election would be the beginning of the end for this country. It is, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I well, still I, stand by that, and I think what we're seeing confirms what I'm saying. And I'm kind of um, what's the opposite? I'm a pessimist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a safe place for me to stay because if I'm pessimistic, I can never be disappointed. Mm-hmm. My therapist tries to get me to work on that. Um, but like, I feel like what we're seeing, like you're, w- what you're referencing about the reverberation, I think that mm-hmm. confirms what I'm saying. Like, we cannot come back from this. The foundation has been shaken. Mm-hmm. Even white people, even white people are questioning vaccines. White people ain't nothing fucking has happened to you historically, <laughs> medically. Black yeah, right? people have a reason uh-huh. to be afraid of vaccines. Black right. people have a reason to be afraid of medicine. Yeah. But now regular white people, like I was watching the news mm. today and a, a doctor who got a vaccine was like, oh yeah, I was kind of questioning it and da 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 da. And I was like, wow, even white women who have medical degrees are questioning medicine. Our country cannot recover from this. There has yeah. been too much, for four years, we have been gaslighted. Mm-hmm. It's re- as somebody that was like in a really shitty relationship where gaslighting happened to me all the time, it's hard to recover from that because you never really know what reality is again. Yeah, yeah. And that's what our country is going to be dealing with. And it's going to divide us. I think um, maybe right before I die, our con- our country won't exist. Maybe when I'm like 80 or 90. Oh, man. Um, I, You know, I just think that the, 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 Beth, you were talking about, like, and Andrew, when... We're like held captive by these images of George Floyd back back in June. I feel like that's maybe where we can even like pinpoint some of these reverberations. It's this point in in America with white people where the things that have been happening for centuries to black people, mm-hmm. um, like the the oppression, just it it was unveiled. It it didn't appear for the first time it just revealed itself in deep undeniable ways to a new group of previously blind people mm-hmm. you can't take that back mm-hmm. yeah. same with the election people of the future mark my words <laughs> second time in this podcast history where I'm speaking right. to the people of the future I mean that might be true but let's also remember you did predict the pandemic would be over in two weeks <laughs> I, did right. say that. Uh, <laughs> I mean so 
I'm uh, one for two. You know? <laughs> I, don't hey. dis- I mean, I don't disagree with you, Beth. I think um, I, what going what I was saying about how things don't just fall over, like. I, I, if I, I agree with you that like I don't know if the country is going to continue to exist in this forum, but I also don't think I also don't think it's gonna. It's, it's, empires don't just die; they just kind of linger, and then the legacy of the empire like continues and takes on weird forms. Like Rome never just fell over, you know; it kind of mm-hmm. morphed and turned into like the Byzantines, and different people started saying like I'm Rome, no, I'm Rome. Like that might happen mm. with America, you know? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um. But it just I, can't be this. There's too much happening yeah, for I, this I, to exist anymore. I think what gives me kind of... All of this experience of what we're talking about has really helped me read the Bible in a new light. Mm-hmm. So the New Testament was written during this period of time where the early church was witnessing the empire in this period of transition. And a lot of the prophecies of the New Testament, including like Jesus' prophecies, are about like collapse that will happen in his like in the lifetime of the people he's talking to like the destruction of jerusalem and he says stuff that like like he's like he's carrying the on his way to um to calvary while he's carrying the cross he runs into some women and he's like um oh my god we have to keep your typing in I've never heard Please. anybody type that fast. I just have a loud keyboard. <laughs> um, Jesus is just, um, he's, Jesus is, is carrying the cross um, to his death. And he stops and runs into some women. And he's like, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves because of what's coming. Mm. Like, happy are the childless because of what's coming. Like, and it's like, he's just... He's just even even in his moment of deepest distress, he he can't help but feel like compassion and empathy and sorrow for other people that are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, like that's kind of how I feel. Like I don't know what's coming, but by all indications, it's not good, and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, Have you said before that that affects like your view on having children, like the future? I'll just say this. I get why the New Testament is so into not getting married and there because back then getting married meant having children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I would say so. And yeah. I think this is true. There have been a ton of news stories about how like other people in our millennial cohort are not having kids or putting off having kids because if there's one thing this pandemic has shown, it's that that the system and the society that we live in does not take care of um does not take care of the least of these or the future, including no. giving people the help that they need with child care, mm-hmm. with, ta- with, um, with maternity and paternity leave, with all the things that people need to function. With health care. With, with health care, with all the things that people need to function to actually have kids. If you don't have cousins, you're shit out of luck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because no one else is showing up for you. Mm-hmm. Like that's what our government has taught us in the last 12 months. I'm trying to find a quote, a retweet from somebody yesterday um, talking about like how the government is basically like screwing us over with the talks of just $600 this time. Mm -hmm. And he says, government give the government gives the people 600. If the government gives the people $600, they are telling you, fuck you. We don't care about your survival. If you're doing all right right now, it doesn't hit the same. Shit's probably just bouncing right off. But that shit is dead life or death. People lost jobs and the government is debating about giving poor people just $600. Right. I was like, damn, like, Way to read me for filth. Because when I heard the $600, I was like, man, I'd like $600, but I can probably buy some makeup for, or I'd like $1,200, but I can probably get a little bit of makeup for, you know, that $600 or whatever and put the rest in my bank account. I totally took it lightly until I read that comment. Yeah. The government does not give a fuck about us. Yeah. So, uh... Happy New Year. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing I want to I want to say when I, I I would like to end this segment on is kind of what um we I mean it, 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 it it's kind of what we ended our uh 
are down the wormhole crossover with because i'm I'm connecting with what what i with i love andrew's ability to reference that's my whole job just referencing things love it okay it was what we said at the end of the down the wormhole podcast especially like beth with you predicting doom and gloom like the (laughs) the prophet's prediction of doom and gloom is always accompanied by uh faith and hope and a call Mm -hmm. to repentance Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, oh yeah 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 I mean, it is, it's accompanied by faith and hope and a call to repentance. And I think there's hope mm-hmm. that comes from repentance. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, hearing you say that, Bethany, I mean, it gives me a little bit of hope in the sense that, like, we're just going to, we're just going to keep doing the work. We're just going to keep preaching the word yeah. and calling people to repentance. And our hope is that people will listen. Mm-hmm. Um so what do we want for 2021 yeah what do we want for 2021 i'm really looking forward to and i think i keep referencing like childhood and motherhood stuff because i want to have kids so bad get married and have kids so bad lately but like i feel like this year has been like one really long labor right and i hope 2021 brings us delivery and the joy that comes from the delivery the like joy that comes from delivery and release you know what i mean and like when you see a new baby's face when you hear a new baby cry um i can remember when one of my cousins had their first baby and then i have another cousin right now that's having her first child and there's this like excitement of what this newness will be like right like what will this baby look like? What would this baby's personality look like? And that's kind of what I feel about getting on the other side of this pandemic. Like, what does this other side look like? And I, mm-hmm. I'm nervous, but I'm also really excited for it, too. So yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to in 2021. Um, yeah, I mean, the the vaccine is is top of the list, of course, so that, like... I mean, for starters, like, Andrew can stop having conversations with us every episode about how to fix our volume on our microphones. <laughs> um, I'm so good at that now, though. You are. I, I was just I was just like, we should just record it so we can just play it at the beginning of these <laughs> sessions so you don't have to keep repeating yourself. Um, I personally... Um, and I don't actually know about what, but I'd like to write more. Um, for one thing, I've been paying for a website for years, like, or for the URL, like, and I haven't written anything on it since 2017. And just about every night at the, like, as I fall asleep or as I wake up, like in that, like, what's that URL? liminal space, I think about things that I want to write about and I should start writing them down. But I'm hoping to like put more things up on my website this year. Wait, more, what URL have you been paying for though? ChrisJEden.com. Oh my gosh! You know, um, t- a couple years ago, I bought AndrewYang.org, but I was like, dot ah, why org. Not? Yeah, yeah. You why did you buy dot org? Because someone yeah. had already bought dot com. Oh. So I bought dot org, and I was like, I'll just uh, why not? It's like ten bucks for the year. I'm, I'll sit mm-hmm. on this, and then I didn't do anything, so I was like, I'll let this expire. Um, and then the <gasps> candidate Andrew Yang came around. Oh no! You yeah. could have sold that to him. I know. I could have oh. sold that to him. It would have been great. I would have made so much money. Oh Big my mistake. god! Yeah, so, Andrew Yang seems like a really popular name. Yeah, it is a pretty common name because uh, Yang is a pretty common Chinese name, and uh, Andrew was like really popular in like the eighties. Yeah, and like a- all these Asian families were naming their kids like white names like i've met a lot of asian andrews Mm -hmm. i know a lot of asian andrews and i just figured like when folks came over here it was like uh it seems like white people like andrew go for it that's That's it that's the story yeah um yeah i'm thinking about that conversation beth that you had with your mom and in in the sense that like how much we believe in first of all that was a great conversation we i immediately started smiling <laughs> um but also like just in the sense that like your mom like has this belief in progress and has this belief that when you're her age we'll have made progress mm-hmm. which i think is really optimistic and 
um, I don't know if I have the same kind of confidence and progress that that generation does. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I've been thinking about is like our parents or or the people like in that from that generation thought about like their children, giving their children a better world. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, And in in human history, we haven't always expected that our kids are going to go into a better world. But we have expected the next generation or we have tried to make the next generation better equipped for whatever world they go into mm. you know mm-hmm. we, we don't people in history haven't necessarily wanted their kids to go into a good world but they've always wanted their kids to be good people mm-hmm. so the thing i think about is like what does it mean to be a good person in the face of a, of a situation is, that isn't getting better what does it what does it mean to have hope faith and love even when everything is stacked up against you um uh, and, um, you know, I don't know what 2021 is going to look like. I, I, Beth thinks it's the end of the American empire, mm-hmm. but w- whatever that looks like, it's going to mean opportunities to exercise, you know, faith, hope, and love. Um, and, um, that's, uh, and that's not nothing. So, yeah, I, Beth, I was thinking about a friend of ours in our, in our cell, um, in our, our like faithful small group, who um, who said something really similar this this week um, about hope being in the in the work, um, mm-hmm. just like in I, I feel the same way. I mean, I I really I don't know what I would do without a faith community, and I don't know what I would do with one that. Um, didn't want to apply that faith in action um, mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, that might just that might just be my particular temperament, but the the like being able to enact the things you believe in really practical ways, I, I think has sustained me for a long time now, and I hope it continues to. With that, can we leave it there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We need to talk about what we're into. Yeah, so with that, we'd like to end our podcast, um, our last podcast of the year, with um, what we're into this week. Uh, Beth, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so I ran across this song that I really liked, and it reminded me of Andrew for some reason. Chris, we want to play it for you to see uh, if you like it too, because then maybe we can make it a trio thing. Okay, we yeah. all like it. Yeah. Okay. This is Andrew a thing has that you sent me, right? Okay. Yeah. Let, let me play it through my thing if you guys can mute yourselves. Can you hear that? Okay. Got a really long, spacey intro. You guys want to unmute yourselves? <laughs> Thank you, Aunt Leah, because I have a new favorite song. Oh and it's my Chris God. and his cousins singing Oh Holy Night. Oh so that's what me and Andrew are into this week. Yo. Yeah, Janine reached out to us and then your aunt reached out to us. Uh, I totally got like, Do you want to play this? Your reaction as you realized that was the best part. I wish we could have recorded that. (laughs) My cousin has been doing the, um, like the, the, my, 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 my cousin Cameron has been doing the, um, the instrumentals. So I haven't, so that intro was, 
You had no idea what it was I when you no heard the idea. intro. No. Okay. Yeah, I, I like I. You were genuinely trying to figure it out. I was like seeing it in your face. Like, what, what are we doing? What's funny is on Thursday you mentioned uh, my cousin something about like my cousins haven't even sent it to me yet, and I was like, oh, it's together. Or you were like, I haven't heard it. In cell group, you mentioned that song. Well. And I was like, oh, you're going to hear it tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that is really funny. Yeah. So what I'm really into this <laughs> week are, I said this in the podcast episode that is no longer, but Black Christmas movies, BET and TV One, all weekend long, every Saturday and Sunday, play terrible Black Christmas movies um, that are super misogynistic. It's all about like a woman. It's every, you know, Christmas movie, even the Hallmark ones. A woman thinks she's a big shot with a big job in the big city. But then she comes home and recognizes that what she really needs is a man. So (laughs) BET has black versions of it and they're terrible, but I love them. BET and TV one. So that's what I'm into. Amazing. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we can all find our connection no matter what race we are around misogyny. <laughs> United <true>. in misogyny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> United in that patriarchy. Um Chris, what are you into? Um one of the one of the new podcasts I've been checking out um is oh gosh. Let me find it. Um, All My Relations, um, which had, they had a really great episode about um, Thanksgiving called Thanks Tanking or Thanks Taking or Thanksgiving. Um, A couple indigenous women from different parts of the United States. Um, The Thanksgiving episode was cool because one of the things they brought in was like a a traditional offering of thanks um, from, I'm not, I I don't remember which, um, which tribe, but. I don't know. I just like there was something in in that in that moment. There's something like uniquely and deeply Christian about this offering of thanks, which comes out of a t- completely different tradition. It was, mm. and it was like read in its original language with an interpreter. It was incredible. Nice. So. Cool. Um, I am into. Well, first I'm into the fact, Chris, that like you and your cousins have really similar vocal profiles. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Really you should have you should hear my grandmother uh-huh. from like our, our like our shared grandmother, like it's a straight line. Like the vibrato in each of our voices like yeah. just comes to It's like hard to her. tell for me like who's singing exactly. <laughs> um, I haven't heard Stefan's part in there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to I'll of course I'll hear more of it. What I Yeah, you can tell them to send it to you now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right? Um, I'm into the miniseries The Good Lord Bird, which was on Showtime, uh, which had a seven-episode arc on Showtime. It's about the abolitionist John Brown and his uh, doomed attempt at a slave rebellion at Harper's Ferry. Mm. But um, it's really good, and it's really funny, and it has Ethan Hawke as John Brown. But what I like about it is that he's true to history as just a crazy person who also happens to be on the right side of history um and um i really enjoyed it and i think it really makes you think like um clearly john brown is nuts but in a in a world that is so morally bankrupt and where like slavery is Mm. just uh, just a factor of life like do, would you need to have would you need to be crazy in order to be good um and i think you know it, it's made me think about you know now and what things wow. seem crazy mm-hmm. to me um but i recommend it good lord bird on showtime um so special thanks to luke bartolomeo our communications manager and to uh jared selby who does our theme song And yeah, with that, this is the end of the year. So get in contact with us and let us know your favorite episode. I will forever uh, cherish the episode that I did with my mom this year. But Mm. go to our website, um, colorcorrectionpodcast.com. Get in contact with us. Let us know your thoughts about this episode, your favorite episode from this year, and just your thoughts on this year. And Mm -hmm. with that, stay black, Little Mermaid.